0: Good morning. Good morning. Everybody doing well? Look at somebody and ask them, "Are you ready for the word?" If you ain't ready, you better get ready. Uh, last week we spoke on what. Who, how many of y'all remember the title from last week? See who been studying. See who did Shout it out. What was the title? Say it again. So what? Say what? What? And what was the rest of it? And what is his strategy? Where did he come from, and what it was his strategy? Uh, and that sermon, it took a turn, and it was man, it was amazing, amazing, because it put into perspective God's plan. It glorified God and God, what God did for us and His grace and mercy. And we don't want to glorify Satan, but you got to understand you need to know who your enemy is. And you need to know his strategy. Amen? We talked about the army and we celebrate those that, uh, and we honor those that have given their life for us. And in the army, trust me, they go into what they call the war room. And they talk about how they can overcome the enemy, and they try to see what the enemy is trying to do, and how he's trying to function, and what they need to do in turn to defeat the enemy. And so you need to know your enemy. You need to know who you're up against, and you need to know his strategy. So when he comes, you can look at him and say, "Uh uh-uh, I know where this comes from. Come on, right? And the problem is We don't recognize the enemy And we blame people Not understanding that we wrestle not Against flesh and blood Right And so today we are going to Expose One of the strategies of the enemy And uh, so Let's get into this thing Uh, We're going to look at our main scripture is Matthew twenty-four, and in this, what happened is, oh, thank you, one person, amen. God bless you. Uh, the rest of y'all need to check yourself. No. Uh, so in this in this passage of scripture, the disciples uh, were discussing and ended up talking with Jesus. Jesus had been talking about coming back and returning and when he would return and when he would do this, that. And the disciples just finally asked, say, hey, okay, you've been talking about coming back and all that, so when are you, when are you gonna come back? What will be happening? What are the signs? What are the, the things that'll be going on for when you come back? And the amazing thing is that, how many of you understand that we are living in the last days? You see the signs. We may not, we know the seasons. We don't know the hour or the day or the hour, but we can recognize the season that we're in. Amen? And so we, Jesus is addressing this, and he's talking to the disciples, and he, so he starts with Matthew 24, verse 10, and, thank you. So you got to look at somebody and just ask him, are you ready for this? Because what I'm going to talk about today is honestly what hinders the church. And how many you understand, the church is made up of individuals, right? And so if it affects the church, it has to start with the individual. Amen? So just making sure, are y'all ready? Like that song, y'all ready for this? So the signs, they're talking about the signs. So let's start in verse 10. It says, and then many will be what? Offended. Many will be offended. Many in this verse is, means the majority. So the majority, so what I mean, you got to get this wrapped around your brain here is that the the sign of Jesus returning is that many will be offended that means the majority of people will be offended that means at least 51% of people will be offended that's a big number many will be offended Will betray one another and will hate one another. This verse just shows it, So shows a progression. So, an offended offended person will eventually betray. Then, that betrayal, if it's not dealt with, what it will turn into is hate. And so, you got to understand Proverbs 18 19 says, A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. So back in, back in the day, they made these walls, these, these, these castles, these forts, these, all these things, and they all had walls, right? So a strong city, think about it, in, in, when we're talking about a fence, what happens is people build up walls because when they get hurt, they build up these walls. And, and we're not talking about walls like the castle and all that kind of stuff. We're talking about walls that are in the spirit, what, what we call strongholds. Because hey, I've been hurt, I've been messed up. So look, you, you know what? I'm gonna build this wall around me so nobody can help can hurt me. The good people in, bad people out. Hey, you don't. You did that one time. You got me one time. You won't ever do it again. How many of y'all have ever said that? So I'm in the right crowd, right? Not physical walls, we're talking about strongholds. And so if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, For though we wrestle, we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, walls, things, the the barriers we put up, casting down arguments and every high thing, reasonings. That exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Strongholds. We're protecting ourselves. We don't want to be hurt. We don't want to get hurt again. Right? How many of you know that the very nature of God is love? Right? He doesn't know about love. He doesn't, uh, 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 he is love. Amen? So if he is love, what is love all about? Giving, right? It gives, it gives, it gives. But when you're hurt and you get offended and you get mad and upset and you blow up those walls, you ha- have become selfish. And so what happens is you're, you're saying, I'm protecting, I protect, I protect. Because offense makes this thing all about us. Offense makes it about you, right? And so what, what happens is love is saying give, 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 because God is all about love, right? But offense makes us worry about me, me, me. And so if God is love and we get hurt and offended and it's all about me, 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 are we in God's will? Are you are, are you sure? Because the churches are full of people that are offended, and they they really are convinced that they're still in God's will. Y'all getting quiet on me now. So, what happens is, it becomes about you, everything comes about, and then this is when you become a good candidate for betrayal. Betrayal. And not like the betrayal we think of war and past in the history and all that kind of stuff. No, but this kind of betrayal, this is what, if you can write this down, it says, when one seeks his own benefit or protection at the expense of one he has a relationship with. This is betrayal. When one seeks his own benefit or protection at the expense of one he has a relationship with. It's called self-preservation. I got to survive. I got to look out for me. Look, they hurt me one time. They're not going to do it again. It's about me. Hey, listen, I I know know I'm supposed to love. I know I'm supposed to whatever, but I'm going to love them from a distance. Come on. Here? Y'all know the folks y'all see that they, they, you walk in on this side and you see them on the other side. And you make sure you don't make eye contact. Come on. I got to look out for numero uno. It's all about me. If betrayal is not dealt with, if betrayal is not dealt with, it leads to hatred. Hatred means, in the Greek, means loveless, without love. 1 John 4, 20, if someone says, I love God, I love God, you don't love God, what's wrong with you? (laughs) Oh help me, Lord! If someone says, "I love God and he hates his brother," if he has love, he does, If he doesn't have love for his brother, he is a liar, for he does not love his brother whom he has seen. How can he love God whom he has not seen? Boy, we run right. But look, I know. I know how we do. I'll, I'll raise my I'll ask you, hey, lift your hand if you, if you love God, right? Everybody in here, Lord, yeah. I love Him. I love Him. And then we ask you, hey, get up and greet your neighbor. Uh-uh, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. I don't know them like that. Amen? How you call yourself going to love God and you don't love the people you see all the time? See, that's just the point. I ain't got to see them all the time. See, God God don't get on my nerves like they do. Right? See, you can get to a place where you have no feelings for a person or a situation. You have no feelings either way, good or bad. That's the absence of love. You develop an absence of love. Bottom line, you come to a place where you just don't care. And guess what happens when, di- guess what you are when that happens? It's strong. You're a murderer. People that are offended, what happens? It leads to them being, or, or being a part of betrayal, and then what does it lead to? Hatred. First John says, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. You mean to tell me if I just don't, if I have a hate towards someone that I'm considered a murderer? That can keep me out of the presence of God? Yes. It's his word, right? Let's look at verse 11 of of Matthew. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Who are the many that are going to be deceived? The ones that are offended. The ones that are offended. So guess what this tells me? This tells me that offense is the breeding ground for deception. You, how many of you have seen people that, um, that are in deception and they don't think they are? Y'all ever come across those people? They just deceived. You know, like people will get on American Idol and all that kind of stuff and mama told them they, they can say, and they just deceived. That just ain't true. Just something you need to go some, do something else. Right? And so what happens is we think, we walk around with this offense, and we think we have a right to have it. And then we, then on the, other, the flip side, we think we okay. And what happens is you become that person that has no love in your heart. No compassion. And the sad thing is you think you have a right to do it. So Jesus talks about false prophets. And in this passage, false prophets, he he talked about them as being uh, sheep, wolves in sheep's clothing. You ever heard that that term? Wolves in sheep's clothing. Now, the thing about it is he never said, Jesus never said that you're going to have wolves in shepherd's clothing. So let me explain that. We talk about, well, who are the sheep? Huh? The church, the congregation, yes. So he doesn't refer to uh, a lot of the the things that are going on in the pulpit. He's talking about, you know what? You got wolves right there in the chair sitting next to you. Those are the ones you got to look out for sometimes. Look at, ask ask somebody sitting next to you, you a wolf for real? You a wolf. Let me know so I can change seats. I knew you had some big teeth for some reason. You a wolf. (laughs) I'm just trying to help y'all not to get offended. Did Did I offend somebody? I'm trying to help you. See, you gotta understand, wolves attack in packs. See, and that's what's cowardly about wolves. You ain't, that's what some people do. People, they don't go by themselves a lot of times. They gotta get, come on, girl, come on with me. Like women going to the bathroom, girl, come on to the bathroom with me. They they, they get in packs and they attack in packs and, and their job is to get the sheep, get that, the sheep off to themselves. And that's when you become wolves' food. You, you, you become, you get put on the table for the wolves to eat you. And you got to understand that in the herd of sheep, there's protection. There's protection there. But what? No, the enemy knows that he, he has to get get you away from and get you out of the pack. Got get you away from the herd. He's got to get you off by yourself. He's got to get you in what they call isolation. Proverbs 18 says a man who isolates himself seeks his own judgment or own desire. He rages against all wise judgment." And see, we talked about the strongholds in the mind. Listen, we're not talking about you being isolated where you just get off physically and go off by yourself. We're talking about here, in your mind, in your your mindset, you're off by yourself. Because you can be sitting in a room full of people and be somewhere way off. You're not in unity in your mind. We talked about this in class this past Wednesday night about how important it is for us to be in unity and that Jesus counts. Listen, God counts our thoughts. Just because you thought it doesn't mean you're not going to be judged for that thought. We in trouble. I know I'm in trouble. Lord, forgive me for every thought. See, you, you think you're okay because, hey, I didn't say nothing. Right? I didn't say it, but you thought it. And so you can be in a room full of in, in this church right now, full of room full of, of men and women of God, and you are so far off because you are walking through offense. Amen. How many of you understand that if we are full, say in this room, if, if we even have, let's just say, 20 people walking through a fence right now, do you understand that that can stop the move of God in the house? Man, offense kills revival. And we talk about this in, on, in our, on our staff. Uh, sometimes because the bottom line is if we're not in unity as far as our staff in the top down how in the world the church how, how is the church going to be in unity if we're walking around offended well how in the world is this church going to come together and walk in unity because it has so if we come into this place and we're all offended we're mad with this one upset because this one and they don't they ain't even in this room And because we've buried those feelings and because we we all that and we think we're okay. No, the the God is not being allowed to, to operate freely in your life because you're holding on to offense. Still mad about what mama did. Still mad about what your ex-husband did. Still mad about your ex-wife. Still mad about this, your aunt, your uncle's, uh, your job, your ex-boss. All these kind of things are hindering sometimes the move of God. And we hit this brick wall, and we wonder why we can't be free in worship. We look at other people, and we mad with them because they jumping and shouting, and we say, oh, I don't take all that. We jealous of they praise, we mad and we justify. Well, that just ain't my personality. Come on. It'll stop revival. We get offended so we don't serve. We get offended so we don't come to prayer. We get offended, so we leave the, the choir because we don't, we don't get a solo. We don't get a microphone. We leave the church because they don't, they, don't they don't recognize my gifting. They ain't let me do offering. I've been here longer than Jeremy Pratt. I ain't never did offering. He ain't asked me to do offering. Come on. We get offended. So we don't come to church. And it's almost as if we think we're hurting the other person when actually we're just hurting ourselves. Amen? And so offense makes you come up with all kinds of excuses why you're not doing what God has called you to do. Or why you're just not doing whatever. You're too busy. You're too spiritual. And we point the finger because nothing is ever our fault. They're the reason. It's them. They didn't speak to me. They didn't rec- they didn't call me pastor. They didn't ask me to go back to the MVG room. See, so you got to understand, offense will, will manifest itself in all kinds of ways. And that's why I'm talking about deception. Because you'll think you're not, and you really are. Come on, this is for everybody now. Don't be one of those ones talking about, mm, I wish such and such was here because they showed sure me. No. Look at you. We'd be the first one. Girl, you need to listen to that podcast, girl, because he was talking to you. Verse 12 of Matthew, it says, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Lawlessness, what is this meaning? This means in the Greek, it means not submitted to the authority of God. Lawless thinking will will abound because many will be offended. So, what you gotta understand is lawless thinking is strongholds cont- contrary to the love or of word of God. So, Jesus, this is what you got to understand. Jesus is not talking to the world. He's not talking to unbelievers, he's talking to the believers. Lawless thinking will abound in believers' minds and hearts that who were offended. Right? How do we know this? Because the the meaning of love, when he talks about the love of many will wax cold, what he's talking about, the love he's talking about is the agape love. And you got to understand, agape love can only happen for those that have given their heart to Christ. That's what the love, that's the love he's talking about is going to wax cold. Because if if offense is not dealt with, what happens is you get hard in your heart, love is gone, you're loveless, you're empty of love, and now what you become is hatred happens, and now your your thought process is messed up. It goes against the law of God. It goes against the word of God. And that's that's what's scary. Many people... The majority of Christians, that's scary. Another reason why we, we, we know he's talking to believers is because the end of that verse 12 says, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. You don't, you don't say to a person to that that to endure for the race that's not even in the race right you ain't talking to them you're talking he's talking to believers because they're in the race he's telling he's letting you know look look if you don't deal with offense it's going to get you disqualified from the race let's continue Now, who hurts us the worst? Right? Who? The what? People you love. The people you're closest to. It says, Psalms 55, it says, it's not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear that. It's not a sinner. I know what sinners do. Sinners sin. That's what they're supposed to do. I don't don't expect anything less from sinners, right? It shouldn't shock you, right? It is not my foes who so arrogantly insult me. I could have hidden from them. Instead, it is you. Don't look around. My equal, my companion and close friend. What good fellowship we once enjoyed as we walked together to the house of God. Woo, that means, oh. Look at, ask him again, are you a wolf? a wolf. Because these are people you go into church with. These are people that are close to you. Right? See, the thing about it is, we get so, there's nothing like church hurt, right? And guess why? Because we put more expectation upon somebody that's in the church or a believer, right? We expect better, our expectations are higher. Oh, and then you're talking about being a pastor or being a ministry leader, and then they hurt you? Oh, oh. it's on now. I'm coming to church, and I'm going to be mad at everybody. They ask me to move over. ask me to move up. No, I ain't going. No. Ask you to serve? No. Because our expectations of ministry leaders of church members are higher, so greater the offense. But guess whose fault that is? It's ours. Because we're not supposed to put that kind of expectation on people. Because all has fallen short, right? Now, don't get me wrong. In a sense, you do hold people to a higher, say, I get that, I understand that. But you really got to understand, people are people and they're going to let you down. So, I, that, like, if somebody does something that is contrary to uh, uh, what I believe that they would do if they belonged to church, I've gotten to a point where I, it just doesn't set me back. Because I understand people are people. People make mistakes, or people do things that, that they don't mean to do. So there's two categories. Write this down, I want you to write this down. The greater the expectation, the greater the offense. Did I say that? Write that down. So you'll, you'll have that and know that. Listen, we gotta stop putting that kind of pressure on people. That's why I was telling the class if, uh, the, uh, the other day, what happens is sometimes as men and women of God, especially pastors and leaders, sometimes we have, to, we have to shelter ourselves from people. Because what's happened is when people get so close and so familiar and you let people into your world, what happens is they see your faults. Now you treat them different. You don't take their, their word as suggestion. Now you, ta- you take their word as suggestion instead of a command because you're so familiar now. We buddies. Amen? So two, ca- two categories of offended believers. You got number one, those that have gen- genuinely been mistreated. Those are the ones, that's, that's, you, you genuinely have been hurt and been mistreated. Number two, those, that's the person that thinks they've been mistreated. That's the ones that take on other people's offenses. That's the one that something happened to them, so I'm, I'm going to get on that bandwagon. That's the one that has false information. Amen? So we're not going to focus on those. We're going to focus on the one that's genuinely been mistreated. If you've been genuinely mistreated, do you have a right to be offended? Somebody says yes. Somebody says no. Somebody says yes. You have a right to do anything, right? Right? You can choose what you want to do. But listen to this. If you want to walk with God and be in his presence, then you don't have a right to walk in offense or be offended. That's if you want his presence. Now, if you just want your presence, you can walk and be offended all day. But if you want to walk in the love of God and be and have his presence in your life, flowing freely you don't have that right but 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 uh, but David you just don't know what they did to me y'all ever heard that statement you just don't know what they did to me you don't understand what happened you just don't understand and and this is what I this is what we you have to kind of say to people when they say that statement You just don't know what you did to Jesus. When you say no, you just don't understand what they did to me. Do you understand what you did to the king of kings and the Lord of lords? Listen to this, and I want you to write this down if you can. A person that can't forgive is a person that has forgotten what they have been forgiven of. A person that can't forgive is a person that has forgotten what they have been forgiven of. It's easy to... Uh, be the person that gets offended and mad and upset. But it's hard to be the person to remember what you have done to somebody else. We don't remember that, right? The blame has always shifted. And it says in Matthew, it says this, you know, Peter is asking, Well, how many times I'm supposed to forgive is seven times enough. And in Matthew, in Matthew, it says in verse in chapter 18, it says, No, not seven times. Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. And then over in Luke, it tells you that means 70 times seven a day. So if you wronged me 490 times a day, in a day, that means you have had to sin or do something against me every three minutes for 24 hours. Ain't that, ain't, listen, I can't, you can't find a big enough sin like for that. That got everybody covered. To the worst person on earth. If they sin every three minutes, oh my goodness. They're good at what they do. But it's telling, no, you got to forgive them that many times. So what is this? What's that telling me? That's telling me we have no right to hold grudges. We have no right. We have to forgive them. It's Jesus saying this, right? Right? Jesus is saying our forgiveness has to be inexhaustible, just like our Father's, our Heavenly Father's forgiveness. Aren't we supposed to be like Christ? Right? So we learned last week with grace and the mercy that was shown because of the cross and what Jesus did and the sacrifice he made. And so we're talking about forgiveness. And there's a story in the Bible where it talks about in in Matthew chapter 18 where uh, the the king, uh, the servant comes and and, uh, owes the king some money. Let's just say $10 billion. How many understand for me and for you, that's an unpayable debt? Who got $10 billion in here? Let me talk to you. Let me show y'all what to do with that money. $10 billion, let's just say, put the money, $10 billion, he owes him, And so, so he, he, he can't pay it. He, he begs the king to, 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 to not, not punish him or not throw him in jail. He, and so the king, what does he do? He forgives him. So in, let's, let's contrast this. Jesus paid the unpayable debt that we could not pay. We deserved hell. We deserve to go. We, with Adam, he sinned against God. All that, that's what we deserve. He paid the unpayable debt for us through the cross, right? So here's this man. He's forgiven. The king forgives him. Oh, but then he walked down the street and he saw somebody that owed him money. And let's just say he owed him about ten thousand dollars, right? That's a big deal, you know. It's not nothing that you're gonna be like, ah, there ain't no money to me. That's the money. So he jacks that dude up. Hey, where my money? Where my money? And the guy, he he, and he throws that guy in jail, right? So hold on here. I've been offended, I got mad, I got upset, and and I got to make them pay. They're going to know my wrath. They ain't seen no anger or no wrath like this before. I got to make them pay. But we, we always forget who we offended. Who we ask for forgiveness, we had to ask somebody for forgiveness for hurting them, for doing them wrong, for mistreating them. And then we so quick. We forget. Come on, right? So Jesus paid. So that's why we got to always look at this thing through the cross. Because Jesus paid an unpayable debt for me. How in the world can I not forgive somebody else? Amen? So Jesus is really saying the worst of the worst sin you could ever imagine or think of was covered through the cross. I mean, the worst impossible, the worst thing you could ever think of, it's all under the blood of Jesus. Every person in this world has a right to be forgiven. Amen. God had a plan through the cross, right? Matthew chapter eighteen, and, and we 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 uh, look at verse thirty-one, and you, you know, when some of the other servants saw that saw this they were very upset they went to the king and told him everything that had happened then the king called in the man that had that had uh forgiven that he had forgiven and said you evil servant i forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as i had mercy on you then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. How, in, how dare we hold on to offense? How dare we make people pay? And we don't speak to them anymore. We're we in the same seats as, as them. We're in the same church. We're in the same body of believers, and we're making them pay. Or, this is the worst thing, they don't even go here. It's just like a past relationship. You making your current husband pay for what your ex-husband did. You making your, 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 your current wife pay for what your ex-wife did. We got to forgive because this, listen to this last verse. It says, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. So the bottom line, we will be, we will be forgiven by the way we forgive. It says it in the Bible, right? What does it say? Forgive us our debt as we forgive our As you forgive. So the way you forgive people is the way God is going to forgive you. We don't look at that now. We don't, you know, we kind of, we omit those kind of scriptures. I'll tell you this story real quick. Where I, we had some friends of ours that was really close to us. And they were really close to Cindy and I. And, um i mean very close real close and what ended up happening was some i don't know what in the world happened i I, still still to this day i don't know i don't know what happened next thing you know they were behind closed doors talking about me and her not wanting us to be together um they went went to my parents talked about Cindy, went to uh my my, my pastors and leaders and talked about us and it, it was a mess it was a mess and I found out what was going on, and um, so it, it made me upset. And I was, I was kind of prideful because, you know, you don't want to let people Well, I didn't. I'm not the kind of people that, I'm not that kind of person that wants to tell everybody my business. And I didn't want to be like, I ain't, ain't going to be no, I'm, I'm not no punk. I can take it. You man, I ain't going to be crying over that. They offended me. Oh, i get over it. And I was still, I was on the platform singing and, and, and ministering, and, and uh, I was in the worship ministry then. And, uh, man, every time they came in the, 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 the church, because, you know, I'm in the front, you know. I see everything, right? They come walking in the door. Oh, ooh, something just, oh. I, I mean, I, all kind of bad thoughts. I could I could just slap the taste out their mouth right now. I, w- I wish they would raise their hand like they love the Lord. Gonna treat me like you tra- you a liar. Just all this going in my head. You hypocrite. You ain't real. Just make sure I just want. I had all kind of cuss words. I had all kind of. If they walk by me, I'm going to trip them in the aisle. Oh, but I was ministering. I love you, Jesus. I worship him. But I don't like them. I don't like them right there. I don't. And so this was going on and kept going on. And. I was still up here ministering. I couldn't, if they were in the same aisle, I made sure, Lord, I made sure I was on the other side. But I was loving Jesus. He was moving. Now, we still had altar calls. People was getting saved. I was still singing for the Lord. And Jesus really had to. I, I got a rude awakening. I got a rude awakening because there's nothing like like Makani. Come here, son, sir. Don't hit me back. Just push. so if I take Makani, if I and I just push him, right? Don't move. Don't move. just don't push. Just don't hit me back. Okay. I'm just playing. <laughs> uh, so I, I hit him, right? Now, he's a, he's a big guy. But the thing about it is I hit him. Now, I may have stung him a little bit, but he's, he was okay. And so some offense happens, and it's okay. We kind of get over that, right? Right? But if I was to take this big old speaker right here, right? Don't move, Makandi. Don't move. <laughs> if, I, if I take and I hit him with that speaker, how many understand? It's gonna hurt. It's gonna bruise him, right? Right? Sit down. Thank you. So so some so look at this is what I'm getting to. Some things you get, they get, and we kind of roll it off our back, but then there's other things that bruise us. And they really hurt. And they sometimes come up and we forget about them and then, oh, it's still there. And see, that's how I was. I thought I had got over it and all that. Uh, You know, because something happened where I didn't see them for a while. And so I'm I'm good. Man, them jokers walked in the church. Ooh, it's still there. Ooh. Just want to slap him again, Lord. I thought I was free, but it was a hurt that had bruised. It was a bruise, and if you don't take care of bruise, it'll it, it'll it'll get bigger. And so what you gotta understand, Check this out. It's just like uh I, I had gotten. I I play basketball a lot. Used to play basketball a whole lot, a whole lot. And so I had stopped playing for years. I. Uh, my wife came along, I had kids, all that, so I didn't get to go to the gym. So I went back to the gym, got back out there, and I got hurt. I got hurt, and, and it, 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 trust me, it hurt. And so I didn't understand. I was like, man, why did I get that hurt? What what the world? Well, what ended up, I, I, it hit me. Man, you out of shape. You out of shape. How are you going to come back in and think you're going to just do whatever like you used to do? You can't, you can't, you out of shape. And so what this, (laughs) what this showed me was this, is that some of us are getting hurt because spiritually we are not in good spiritual shape. We're not in good spiritual shape. We're not reading the word like we should, not building ourselves up in prayer like we should. We only get in the word of God from Sunday to Sunday. People are prone to offense because they are weak. Like how I push Makandi. Now, if I turn around and and, and, and pushed uh, I just say, if I push my wife like I push Makandi, I would hurt her. Because she's not in the shape, that physical shape like Makandi. See, and I I I, I point Makandi out because he works out a lot. He works out a lot. I've been teaching him a lot of stuff to do. <laughs> and so he, he looked good. He's looking. So some things are not going to hurt him like they're going to hurt, uh, not me, because I'm a big guy, like uh, some, one of y'all. One of y'all. Other. People are getting hurt because they're not in shape, they're not in spiritual shape. We need more Makandis in the spirit. Come on, right? Praying without ceasing, meditating on the Word day and night, worshiping in spirit and in truth. We are not conditioned to take some of the blows that we take. And that's why it hurts so bad, and that's why it sets us back so much, because we are not in His Word. Psalm says this, Psalm 119 says, There is such a great peace and well-being that comes to the lovers of your word, and they will never be offended. I want to get to a point where I am never offended. I don't care what you do, what you say. I'm so full of the word. I'm so, I've been praying day and night. I've been, I've been just in the presence of the Lord that whatever you do, it doesn't offend me. I'm a dead person. It's hard. Look, it's hard to offend somebody that's dead. Slap them in the face and they ain't getting up. You ain't making them mad. You're not getting a reaction out of them. And that's where the listen. Listen, we, we, we talk about this all the time. Where the, when the enemy comes... He will have nothing in me. I'm so full of the word. I'm so full of God. I'm so, look, I ain't got time to hold an offense against you. It's a waste of my energy. It'll hinder me from hearing from God. I, I ain't got time for that. How do you become a, dead to offense? Fall in love with the word of God. Love is action, right? If we love his word, we will do his word. The action is the only proof that we love. You can't have one without the other, right? I can say to my wife, I love you all day, and I don't do anything. uh, It means nothing. This is how you become immune to offense. You got to exercise. You've got to spiritually exercise. You can't go weeks and weeks without prayer, weeks and weeks without reading the word, weeks and weeks without worship. And then when something happens, you think you're going to be good. No, it doesn't work that way. Matthew 5, it says, however, I say to you, love your enemy, bless the one who curses you, do something wonderful for the one who hates you. And respond to the very ones who persecute you by praying for them. See, I ended up having to pray for that for for the uh, the people that were offended me. And the thing we we not this kind of prayer. God, touch them. God, you know what they you know how they are. Touch them cause Lord, I, I they just need you, Jesus. No. I had to actually start passionately praying for them. Not passively. You got to start praying for people that have wronged you or have done something against you with passion. You have to pray for them like they're your best friend. You got to pray for them like they're your closest family member. Listen, that's how you know when you're over offense. When you can do for somebody that you know and it not cause you pain. Now, don't get me wrong. When I first started praying for them and I first started trying, man, it was painful. It was painful. But you got to understand, how many of you have ever had to do rehab? Physical therapy. It, it, does it feel good? No. It's painful when you got to try to get back to your full usage of your arm, your leg. It's it's pain. You go through. You want to slap that that physical therapist. Because of the hurt and the pain. But it's painful. It's not easy. You know, it's painful. You got to understand, just because you feel good, that's not necessarily the indicator that you've been praying the right prayer. That's not the indicator. The true indicator is when you are obedient to God's word. Amen. Luke 17 said, then he, uh, then he said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses will come. It's impossible. If you breathe air on this earth, you will be offended. Somebody will offend you. Somebody will make you upset. Somebody's going to mistreat you. You can't avoid it. There's no way around it. Offense here is from the Greek word skendalon. It means a trapstick or a snare. And so this is, how the pe- this, this is how the enemy wants to ensnare and trap the church. He wants to get us in offense. He wants us not loving one another. He wants us not, not treating each other the right way. Because then we become powerless. No one saved. No one healed. No one set free. Because we're too busy hating one another. This is how the church becomes powerless. 2 Timothy, it says, in verse 2, it says, And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. The scary thing is, we can be preaching, singing, serving in ministry, doing all these things, but instead of having pure rivers of water flowing out of our life, we may be releasing tainted waters of bitterness. We think we're okay. Do you have a right to be offended? Again, you can do what you want. But if you want God's presence in your life, you don't have a right to be offended and walk in offense. i tell you this quick story about a young man that um, he grew up and he ended up um, just... He got saved, gave his life to Christ, and just couldn't understand why he couldn't be released as far as the presence of God in his life. People around him weeping, going after Jesus, and he was just kind of like, ah. So he was reminded of how he was given up for not adoption, but given away by his mom. And he carried that offense for 30-something years. And when he finally realized what was hindering him, he went to his mom. He, He had only talked to her twice in his life. He went to his mom. And he asked her for forgiveness. And then in turn, she turned around and asked for his forgiveness because she had been tortured all that long time. And after that, he was the, the presence of God was released in his life like never before. When I was able to, I ended up going to those people that had offended me and offended us. And I didn't go to them and I didn't read them the laundry list, this is what you did and this is what you did. And this is what you did, and so I I want you to I want to forgive forgive me forgive I no. I went to them and I said I want to forgive I want you to forgive me. Because I've spoken against you. I've held I've harbored this this I'm just I hate in my heart against you. And I want you to forgive me. That's when. God released me and I was able to whenever I saw them I had the love of God for them did they ever did they ever this is is what really will release you they never apologized to me they never apologized to us they never thought what they did was wrong But that's not my problem. It's not my problem. You got to understand, forgiveness a lot of times is not for that person. It's for you. And so, the crazy thing is that You gotta think What in What have I been Carrying Gotta ask yourself What have I been carrying Who am I still Mad, mad at or upset with who have, who have I not forgiven Who have I put up walls I put up walls in my life Because I don't want I don't want them I don't want people to get too close Because I don't want to get hurt again and so, out of that, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not feeling God's presence. I'm not having His presence in my life. I'm not hearing Him, or I'm not where I need to be, where I know I'm supposed to be, because I've been carrying offense. And this is, the, this was scary, though. I don't want anybody in this place to walk in deception and think you're okay. And you're really not. Because you don't really want to humble yourself and say, you know what? I've still been walking around and upset and mad and offended. I'm telling you, it kills your destiny. And to be honest with you, that person, they're not worth missing God. They're not worth it.